Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. There's desperation and anguish. More than 80,000 Afghans have since arrived in America. But this story is still unfolding. I'm Andrea Smartin. In my new podcast, Stranger Becomes Neighbor, we'll find out what happens to these new arrivals in our communities. Who would help our newest neighbors? Follow us at kslpodcast.com, Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen. Inside Sources with Boyd Matheson on KSL News Radio. Welcome back, everyone. This is Boyd Matheson, opinion editor at the Deseret News. Thanks for joining us on the extended version of Inside Sources on a Monday. We'll be with you all the way till 3 o'clock today when we'll pass the baton off to the great Jeff Kaplan, who will get you home safe and smart. Uh, really excited right now to uh, welcome to Inside Sources uh, one of my favorite Inside Sources, David Barton, uh, noted historian. Uh, David, thanks for joining us today. Hey, Boyd. Great to be with you, man. Thanks. Uh, always good to have you on. Always appreciate your insight. And I, I wanted you to share with, with our listeners, I, I often talk about how critical it is that we remember and particularly how we remember how important community is uh, in our country's history, even right back to the, the very founding. Uh, and you've done some interesting research and looked at a lot of interesting spaces there as it relates to the Revolutionary War, where community really led. Tell us about that. Yeah, when you look at community, uh, particularly, uh, and go back, I mean, you really have to go back to the earlier, even earlier than the Revolution. You get into the first colonists that came and why they came and what type of communities they created when they got here, how they did that, uh, whether it be the Jamestown community and followed by the Pilgrim community, then the Puritan community, uh, then the congregational communities. There's so many. But there was always a sense of community, or if you will, covenant is a word we might use for community. Uh, they had a real different approach to the way that we look at communities today. And that really is what guided the American Revolution in so many ways. I mean, we talk about founding fathers, and we mean George Washington and Jefferson and Adams and Hancock. When the founding fathers talked about founding fathers, they were talking about the pilgrims and the Puritans and, and the early guys that came over in those early communities. So it really is kind of interesting to look back and see what they have then and how different it is from where we are today. Yeah, so what are some of those uh, outstanding traits, uh, even pre-Revolution, as, as you mentioned, uh, David? What is it, What was it about those early communities that made them so unique and powerful? Well, there was... I think there were several things. If I were to point to one, is a sense of accountability, um, and, and I guess a right word to use is stewardship. You just didn't really have hangers on and think that we're along for the ride. Uh, if you were going to be part of the community, you took an active part and you had an active responsibility. Quite frankly, they were very God conscious, and as such, they felt like they would answer to God for what they did with their stewardship of the civil community. So if you look at something, I mean, you go past those early communities, you get into the American uh, Revolution, you go forward into the Golden Era, you, you get forward up to the up to the time of, of leading up to the Civil War, the big abolition area uh, in, the, in the 1830s, 40s, 50s. At that point in time, it was not unusual to have 100% voter turnout among citizens of the United States because everybody believed that they had a personal responsibility to do everything they could to help things go in the right direction. And, of course, we're looking today at 36% of Americans are not registered to vote, and half the ones who are registered don't vote. So generally, in a non-presidential election like we're looking at uh, last time, or presidential election like this time, we're looking at one out of three Americans' votes. 
so that's one thing that this shifted. There's just a lot of people that are, that are along for the ride, and, and they really don't want to help direct the ship or drive the ship, and, and that really is kind of a new thing uh, in recent decades. So that's one thing I, I definitely point to. Oh, and then the second thing I'd point to is that we really don't take the individual initiative uh, in the sense that back then, they, they didn't care what the group thought. They here's what I have to do. And so today we feel like, you know, I can't change D.C. by myself. I can't call President Trump and get something fixed. I can't, I can't talk to justice of the Supreme Court. I just can't do anything. And and back then that wasn't an issue for them. It wasn't whether I can get it done. It's what should I be doing. Right. And, and so what's amazing to me is when I look at the, the early battles of the American Revolution, Nobody called George Washington and said, what do you want us to do? I mean, Lexington, they said, hey, it's our community, we'll take care of it. The Battle of Concord, our community, will take care of it. The same with Bunker Hill, the same with the road to Boston. I mean, all those early battles, we won the American Revolution because communities were willing to take on the battle in their community and win it in their community. So we won the national battle by winning community battles, which is not quite the way we think today. Yeah, boy, I, those are such great insights. If you're just joining us, uh, David Barton, historian, is uh, on the line with us today. Uh, I love the the fact, uh, David, that you point to this idea of accountability and stewardship. Uh, those those are things that we haven't <laughs> – we sort of chased those out of the public square. They're kind of eking their way back in as it relates to some things like, uh, you know, environmental stewardship and a few things like that. But you're talking about it from a uh, a real personal accountability, a real personal stewardship level. Uh, and I love that you mentioned these these early battles of Lexington and Concord and, and Road to Bunker Hill, uh, where it really was that they, they didn't have time to wait for central planning or uh, any, you know, blue ribbon task force to decide what to do. Uh, they just said, this is our community, so, so we're going to go. Yeah, it, it was our community. And that, I mean, literally, the Battle of Lexington was Reverend Jonas Clark, grabbing 70 guys out of his church and going out and facing 800 British. Two hours later, it was the Reverend William Emerson saying, we got this, 300 guys out of his community, he led against 800 British. As the British turn and go back to Boston, that 19-mile march, we have the day-long battle on the road to Boston. And all along the way, it was it was community groups. It was it was Reverend Benjamin Balls and, and, and so many others that would grab their the people from their community and say, follow me, we'll go take care of this. And so that really was the way that it happened. If you if you want to just go through and look at a list of all the battles in the American Revolution, and there are a bunch of them, and then see how many George Washington was involved with, it's not that many. Mm. Um, he, he was there to fill in the gaps where that nobody else could show up and nobody else was there. But my gosh, nobody called for help when they had their own community. We could do it ourselves. Yeah. And, and that kind of that kind of thought about. Hey, we can do this. It's our community. Nobody's going to mess around with this. We'll take care of it. That's what we lack today. We say, who's going to come in? Who's going to call the police? Who's going to get the federal government in? And who's got the educators coming? In? No, no, no. We do this. And so that that is a different concept. Uh, I, I love the the way the founding fathers taught it. And James Wilson, one of the signers of the Constitution, he had this thing. He said, to every right, there is a corresponding responsibility. And so if you have a right to free speech, what's your responsibility that goes with that? If you have a right to vote, what's your responsibility? And obviously it was to vote. And that's why we had this 100% voter turnout for the first two centuries of American history is this concept that every right that I have has a responsibility that goes with it that I have to do. Oh, that's uh, that's such great insight. Uh, if you, again, if you're just joining us, we've got uh, historian David Barton on the line with us today. 
and always appreciate David's perspective and historical context of what was it that really drove the founding of the country and what uh, is it that really fuels freedom as we as we try to rocket things forward. Uh, David, we got just about a minute left, and I wanted to get your perspective in terms of what is it from our history that you most hope Americans would remember today, that we really need to remember today in order to, to create a better tomorrow for the country? Oh, boy, boy, boy that, that is a great question. The, the answer to that is our history. Uh, at this point, we've seen several dozen state schools now drop. You cannot even get history as a history major. You can't have that as a major anymore. And at the top 76 universities in America, if you go there for a history major, at 64 of the top 76 universities, you will not get a course in American history. So the thing that I would hope we would remember most today would be American history, which is a thing that we're really trying to apparently move away from in education. And if we do, that, that's going to be disastrous. That's where we will change our, our free market system for a socialistic system, all the stuff that doesn't work. I mean, history will keep us on track if we can look at it and learn from it. Oh, fantastic. David Barton, thanks so much for joining us on Inside Sources. Uh, you are the best. Appreciate your insight. Thanks, Boyd. Appreciate what you do. Bless you, bro. Bye-bye. All right. Again, historian David Barton joining us uh, on the line today. Uh, and that's uh, that's a pretty good call. <laughs> the thing that we need to remember uh, is our history. And I, I think that's so easy to get away from. I love the fact that David continues to come back to these central ideas uh, of trust, of stewardship, individual stewardship uh, and accountability. And I think we can apply those today because whether that stewardship has to do uh, with voting, whether that stewardship has to do with how we treat the environment and being stewards of the land, whether that's being a steward in our, our local community or family or neighborhood, uh, it all comes back to that personal accountability. And that is what founded the nation. And that's what we've got to get back to. Uh, as he said, we can't keep looking to Washington to solve those problems. This starts in communities. This starts in neighborhoods. This starts in families. All right, we're going to step aside. When we come back, retiring Representative Ken Ivory will join us. We'll talk about his time in the Utah State Legislature. We'll also talk about federalism and the important role of the states as laboratories of democracy in our future. Stay with us on KSL News Radio. Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. She was tear gassed and beaten. Images of thousands desperate to escape Taliban oppression filled our news feeds. More than 80,000 Afghans made it to America. But the story didn't end there. It was very cold. There was no power, no heat. Who would help our newest neighbors? I'm Andrea Smartin. In Stranger Becomes Neighbor, you'll hear the stories of some remarkable refugees who left their homes and their dreams behind only to start over from zero. Their only possession was three blankets. And you'll meet Americans who stepped up to help them. You want me to come when you deliver your baby. What can one person do in the face of an international disaster decades in the making? That's Stranger Becomes Neighbor. Find us at kslpodcast.com, follow us on Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen.